Tyler and Jess front British Columbia's Cruentis. Thanks for coming to The Antidote, guys. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I went for a look on the net and found that the band name Cruentis comes from Latin, and it roughly translates as full of blood. How does the name represent the band? Well, it's basically got a little bit of a double meaning. Um, As you know, we're a Christian band, so... The primary meaning is uh, it just represents all of us as Christians staying in the blood of Christ. Um, at the same time, we're also, I uh, believe we're fighting in a battle. So we'd like stained warriors stained with the blood of our enemies as well. That's kind of where it came from. It's quite rare for a Canadian band to bring Christian faith into their music. There's no question that Crentus does that. Is it important for you to share your faith? Absolutely. I'd uh, I'd say that the inspiration for our our music is very much based on our faith. I know for myself personally, the inspiration for all my writing, I think I owe to God directly for giving us, well, me specifically, the abilities and talents to be able to create. I always feel the need to create, and that stems from my faith specifically and for me personally it comes out in the form of death metal (laughs) (laughs) okay seriously admit you go to church and you tell everybody that you do christian death metal and they look at you as if you've got horns growing from your head (laughs) (laughs) actually surprisingly not um tyler and i actually um we've jammed in our church uh in Quinell a quite a few times, uh, just up on the stage, uh, with people wandering in and out. And most of them are, I don't know, they think it's kind of cool. They're like, well, it's not quite my cup of tea, but good for you. That's generally the response. Um, but there was, there was one time actually where we had, uh, we had this church function. We were outside on the field outside the church and there's a little stage set up and we had live music playing, you know, to attract a bit of a crowd. And, uh, near the end of the day, uh, we just asked, like, hey, can we just, like, play our own stuff? And they were like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So we just, <laughs> at the end of this this outreach thing that we were doing, we just played a few of our death metal songs. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people <laughs> actually enjoyed it, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's another odd point about Krandus also. Coming from Quinell, B.C., I would have expected a guitar-strumming folk band to come from there, not melodic death metal. So seriously, does your style make you the town oddity? I'd say so. Surprisingly, there is quite a large metal community up here. I think everywhere you go, you find people who are interested in metal, but it's definitely not the genre of choice around these parts. <laughs> that would be country. Yeah, I've heard of yeah. that. Twanging guitar stuff, all pass. <laughs> okay, you got to give us the roots of Cruentus. How did it all begin? Well, uh, basically, uh, five years ago, seven years ago now. Seems like a long time, but... It would have been seven, yeah. I'd been playing um, on my own for quite some time um, with my own projects, and... Uh, Jess moved to Canada from South Africa. I guess you could explain a little bit about that, Jess. Uh, sure. I mean, I I didn't uh, 
didn't have much say in the matter at the time. I was, uh, I was 16 at the time, so I moved with my parents. Um, moved to Quinell in the end of 2011. And uh, my parents had uh, visited before, and they had met Tyler, and they found out that he played uh, World of Warcraft, which they confused for a different game that I played. So like, oh, you should be friends with this guy. He plays the same games you do. Um, <laughs> turns out he didn't, but then we discovered that we both liked metal. And I happened to play bass, and... Tyler played guitar, so like, hey, we should we should jam. So Tyler had yeah, had a kind of a project going, right? Um, when did you start Destroy the Abomination? Oh, long time ago, probably ten years ago. Definitely yeah, so, was nothing what like what Cruantis had. <laughs> no, not really. It was a very, uh, I would say, lo-fi, brutal death metal, as you could probably guess by the name Destroy the Abomination. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> So we jammed a bit uh, together. Basically, I, I joined up with Destroy the Abomination, just adding some bass. And yeah, we, we wrote some songs together. And some of them some of them weren't terrible. Most of them were probably terrible. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was fun. We just, uh, we weren't really doing anything serious with it. You know, it was, we were just jamming. And then at one stage, we started recording some things. And we decided, you know, we could actually do something with this. We're not, gonna, we're not planning on becoming famous, but, you know, we could put the music out there. So we, we did. We started recording it. We put out a song as Destroy the Abomination. And a little while after that, we decided that uh, we really wanted to play something more, a little more melodic, you know. Um, just because we're both musical people, we really enjoyed long melodic songs. And we just wanted something a little, I don't know, I, w- I would say more, a little more musical, I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, the, we, we decided we'd, we wanted a fresh start and... So we came up with a new name and started recording new stuff. What a transition for you, Jess, moving from South Africa to Canada. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's quite a change, but I like it here, so it's all good. Yeah, Afrikaans is actually my first language. English is a second language. But you're not going to start recording in Afrikaans because you're not the vocalist. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm sometimes uh, less so yeah, on this yeah. album, but yeah. Jess does pretty much all the backup death growls when I'm singing. Our influences were different too. I was at at the time more into mm-hmm. thrash and uh, and just really heavy death metal, um, old school stuff. And uh, Jess, his preference was more towards the the mellow death stuff and the more melodic stuff a little more than mine. So that's how we kind of I think meshed our sound out. When you listen to our stuff, you can hear the brutality, but there's also the melodic stuff. So I think it kind of mm-hmm. creates a unique mesh. Right around the time we started recording our first Cruentis album, we had a few songs. And uh, Matt, another guitarist that was with us on the first album, joined us. And he brought in a whole kind of old school <laughs> metal style with him. Um, and he listens to a lot of progressive stuff. So... You can hear his solos on on our first album, and it, it adds quite a unique uh, style to the solos to layer stuff like that over top of, you know, just really hard-driving death metal. And to me, the sound of Kranis brings to mind a number of European bands. Who were your influencers, or are? I think... Um... With, as far as the melodic stuff goes, there's uh, there was a band that I discovered shortly before um, moving to Canada that I introduced Tyler to. Uh, they're called Kalma. 
and they are a, I guess, somewhat lesser known um, melodic death metal band from Finland. And uh, over the years, they've been kind of my constant favorite band. And since I introduced them to Tyler, it's been his too. We've never really aspired to sound just like them, but they definitely they definitely influence us uh, quite a bit. So for me, that would be a big one. And personally, I am influenced a lot by, um, I didn't really grow up listening to a lot of metal. Um, I grew up listening to a bunch of stuff like The Police and uh, ELO and uh, uh, The Waterboys. I'm, I'm quite quite into uh, quite into 80s alternative rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that does influence my playing quite a bit. Um, on the on the metal front, probably probably Kalmar, uh, Insomnium, Lamb of God, Opeth would be my biggest influences. I think. I'd say that for myself. Um... Definitely Kalma was a big influence on my playing style. Also, Demu Borger. I just think that the symphonic elements that they bring into their music and just like the real dark sound. Um, yeah, that's a huge influence on my writing because most of the time what I'm writing is pretty dark. And uh, Behemoth with the black and death metal style. Uh, and then, of course, Insomnium and Amon Amarth, those bands, they just do a really good job of melodic death metal. And, you know, we listen to a ton of metal when we're in the writing process, and it's always kind of changing this way and that. On the new album, um, I'd say there's a lot more broad spectrum of metal genres that kind of influenced its way in there. So hard to really even say now what's influencing me these days, but I'm fortunate to have a yeah. computer job where I can listen to music all day long. So <laughs> <laughs> I think with, uh, with this album, uh, as far as influences go, like the, I think during cold stone, I could point to different bands we were listening to at the time when we wrote each song and you can kind of see the influence. Um, I would say it's less so with this album. I, I would, I definitely think with Alpha and Omega, we, uh, we did start to find a little bit of our own sound and we still listen to stuff and we obviously still draw inspiration from, from uh, all across the, the spectrum from different bands. But I think we really started to find our, our own sound and really just wrote what the songs wanted, I guess, as opposed to what we were listening to at the time. You brought up the point about your 2016, your debut release, Cold Stone. I mean, really, I guess you could call it an EP since it has seven songs, but I mean, three quarters of an hour long, it's a, a full album length. It starts off with a killer track, Path of Anathema. By using that song to lead off the release, were you trying to make a statement? I mean, to be totally honest, it kind of just worked out that we felt after writing that that song fit first slot more on a musical point with the intro and the way it breaks into that lead. But uh, I think the album as a whole and a lot of our lyric writing, you'll find that common theme. We write a lot about the perspective of an individual and what it is to be human and what it is to struggle with spiritual battles and, and the choices we make of, you know, do we take the the narrow path or the widened road, right? And that's what makes me curious about this, is because the music scene is tough for any band, but an artist who brings Christianity into their music has an even more difficult time. 
has that ever been the situation for Cruentis? Um, there, there definitely is, especially in the in the metal community, um, kind of an aversion to Christian themes, just because it's, I suppose, it's seen as, I guess, cool to be evil when it comes to metal, you know? So we're kind of the opposite <laughs> of that. We basically was like, yes, we're really uncool. Listen to our music, you know? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> a lot of times there is a little bit of that, but um, I wouldn't say that's the overwhelming response. Those types of people tend to be kind of on the fringes, I think. Um, most people just listen to the music for the music's sake, and they won't care about the lyrics so much, I think, if, they, if they're not uh, Christians themselves. Does that make you sad to realize that that's the case, about the lyrics being ignored? <laughs> yes and no. I think um, if someone who is not a Christian listens to our music at all, I think that's that's a win in my books because then maybe they'll hear the lyrics at some point, read them, and they might, who knows what seeds are planted and what might happen in the future, you know, if they've heard uh, our message. So that's, uh, I guess, our, our job is done at that point. I just want to add to that. Yeah, like, you know, I can't count how many times people I know personally find out that I'm in a death metal band and at first they're like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you in a death metal band? <laughs> But uh, when they find out that it's Christian, it, it kind of adds a, I don't know, it's a testimony. I get this feeling that it's people are getting the impression, oh, you know, maybe this Christianity thing isn't just all about dressing fancy and going to church. Yeah. And it's more real. People can see that we're, you know, we're real people. I mean, we're screaming on these records <laughs> and uh, just like pouring our hearts out and our thoughts. And I think that. It's a good testimony. Personally, I, I haven't seen or met anybody who's listened to our music and who's had a negative view on it because it's Christian. You might get comments and stuff like that online from people, but you know, you're going to get that with any music regardless. Yeah, it's true. Because I think um, <clears throat> in my experience, when, when people find out I'm in a, in a death metal band and then I, I tell them it's a Christian death metal band, most of them would, uh, their response would be that they didn't even know that that was a thing. They thought it was an oxymoron. You're going to have Christian death metal, you know? So it, it does change their mind about it. And like Tyler said, I think that's kind of a big, um, a big goal for us is change people's minds. Firstly, change some Christian people's minds about metal and show them, you know, this comes straight from our hearts too. And it's just as valid a type of a band for a Christian to be in as uh, say a worship band. Um, and also to change um, non-Christians' minds about Christianity, and they, so they can see we're normal people. We can make good music too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys brought out Coldstone, which was an independent release for your new EP that you've mentioned about Alpha and Omega. You joined a new label, Nasrul Recordings. Does being on a label change things for Cruentus? It definitely does in, in a lot of ways. On one hand, we really wanted to go on a label. I felt like personally, and Jess can speak for himself, but I felt personally that being on a label gives you some more credibility. It's really hard to promote your own music. And um, so, yeah, we put it out there to see if there were any labels that wanted to pick us up. And Nasrol was interested, and so we decided to move down that direction. I also wanted to focus more on the music and just creating the music and spending the time on making sure it's that side of things is covered and 
and uh, letting the label do the behind-the-scenes work of um, promotion and distribution and all that. And, you know, there, there's a network, too, that happens with different bands on a label. That's a good thing. It's kind of like a community. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely different. I think I could compare it to something else that was a first for us with this uh, with this album, and with just uh, working with a producer. When you work with a producer for the first time, you ha- really have to wrap your head around the fact that some outsider that doesn't know your music, doesn't know where it comes from, doesn't know what you were thinking when you wrote the song, they're going to come in and point out, point their finger at everything they think is wrong and tell you to change it, you know? <laughs> and you got to be okay with that. you got to be okay with that because that's the reason you bring them in, you know? You want yeah. the outside perspective. So you got to kind of surrender a lot of control that way. Um, and I mean, the producer that we worked with, she was great. We didn't step on any toes or anything and we're all really happy with the results. But working with the label is kind of the same thing, just on the more on the administrative side it's hard in some ways uh because you have to take your music say here this belongs to you now do what you want with it and then let them do their thing which is tough but at the same time uh it it is nice like tyler said just we we get to focus a little more we didn't have to worry too much about figuring out what we were going to do with the music afterwards and all this kind of stuff we just you know we can we can focus more on the music we can do our own thing and they just take care of the stuff behind the scenes. So that part of it is nice. Um, being a control freak myself, uh, <laughs> it's hard to, it, it's quite, it's quite hard to, um, you know, relinquish control to other people, but, um, it's getting done. You know, the music's going to be put out there and it's, we haven't really had to do much on that front. So mm-hmm. it's, it's good. And it turned out so well. I mean, the title track from Alpha and Omega is superb. Obviously, the song name comes from describing Christ and is out of the book of Revelation. Is the Bible your source for all of your lyrics? Um, no, not all, I wouldn't say. Uh, not directly, at least. Um, I think uh, Tyler can speak more on this when I've said this, because I think he writes more straight from the Bible. I, I tend to write either I'll be inspired by a verse and I'll kind of paraphrase it or something like that. I personally rarely will take something out of scripture and make that the lyrics. Um, how I tend to write is more of a personal experience uh, from my life, kind of what's going on, you know, stuff that's happened. So I would say with the way I write lyrics, I don't even necessarily go into it with like a, I'm writing a Christian song, so I need to have these things in the lyrics. It's just that I live my life as a Christian, then I write songs about stuff that happens in my life that just kind of naturally happens, you know, for the songs I write lyrics to, I think it helps uh, make it a bit more real and emotional, I guess. With, with my writing and the songs that I spend more kind of of my writing on, I'd say Alpha and Omega and also um, the blood that divides those two songs are probably the most grounded in actual written scripture i can't actually think of any other songs that have word for word scripture and i could be wrong i tend to write all my lyrics very firmly supported by scripture and i will read a lot of scripture when i am writing and i'll be inspired by it but a lot of my lyrics i'm writing from my personal perspective or from the perspective of a a character with a lot of the songs on alpha and omega are written from the perspective of a character who's dealing with different things. And um, I think that comes through in the lyrics. 
I mentioned a bit earlier about how long your debut release, Cold Stone, is. This new EP is also long. It's closing song, Silence of the Sands. I mean, this is epic length, 14 and a half minutes. Now, I kind of <laughs> guess that you guys don't play this at a show. I mean, that would take up almost your entire set. <laughs> it's pretty long. It is long. What amazes me about it is that we wrote that song, and that's just how long it was. We were sitting down one day, just jamming, and, we're, and Jess is like, hey, I've got this new kind of riff. We should flush it out. And we just started jamming and got a few ideas out of it. And then we're like, okay, well, let's record it and just see what it does. And and uh, yeah, so that's basically, that's what came of it. We basically jammed it out for 14 minutes and then we're like, that sounds awesome. And I'm sure we tweaked it here and there, but there's a lot of time signature changes in the song that just came out of us playing it naturally and, and moving through the feelings of the song as we were playing it. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Anybody that does recording has got to realize that's a once in a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to record um, the first part of that. I had to map out the tempos because all we'd done was essentially it's a jam session made into a structured song. So we recorded it on uh, just a phone, you know, in the jam space. We had it uh, sitting on the table and we just jammed it. And afterwards, I imported that uh, that recording into Pro Tools and went and mapped all the tempos out and had to set up the metronome to follow what we'd played. And I think the song really benefited from that because the song really does what the song wants to do. You know, it's very, it just feels right. There's probably about 12 tempo changes in the song. And the beginning, the, if you listen to the first like 10 seconds of the song and the last 30, um, I think there's about a jump of like 30 BPM in there. Um, so it's very, it definitely builds up a lot. It took quite some time to map out the tempos and then to record that. Uh, yeah, that was, that was hours and hours and hours of work. <laughs> yeah, but it was, I think it was worth it. It was, it's one of those songs that just, it didn't feel 14 minutes long to play. Like every time, you know, every time we do a take of the bass, I just play through the song and they'd be like, oh, are we at the end already? It's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those songs that it's kind of hard to, uh, I found for myself it was hard to remember. I was in a, in a studio recording. I just felt like I was jamming, you know, I just close my eyes, get into it and go. And <laughs> it was just so much fun that it didn't feel that long. Um, I'm sure it felt way longer than 14 minutes to the poor person who edited everything. <laughs> but I, we, we didn't do that, uh, that ourselves on this album, so it's fine. <laughs> well, I'd also like to get into one of the shorter tracks from Alpha and Omega, All Hail Nothing. It talks about the god of dung. You've got to explain that. <laughs> um, well, I, I wrote the lyrics to All Hail Nothing. Um, the god of dung, that is, someone told me this. I didn't fact check, so it could be completely <laughs> not true. But I don't care. It sounded cool, so I used it in a song. Apparently, uh, the god of dung is a rough translation of the name Beelzebub, which is one of the Bible's names for Satan. So I just thought that was cool. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's a nice insult. Um, <laughs> I I thought it was a good contrast to the song Alpha and Omega. Basically, Alpha and Omega is about God and how awesome he is and how scary and powerful and everything. And then, then there's Satan on the other side. You know, he's the God of dung. He's nothing really. So it's like, oh, here comes the king, you know, all hail, nothing. It's, it's, it's just kind of a satirical mocking kind of song, I guess. I looked up your hometown of Quinnell on Wikipedia. It has a list of notable residents, and all of them are hockey players. 
So I got to know, is Alpha and Omega going to put Cruentis on the notable residence list? (laughs) (laughs) I certainly hope so. (laughs) What do you think it will take to make you guys really stand out in the metal scene? I mean, obviously the music caliber is there, but how do you get noticed? That's a good question. I think, um, you know, we've struggled from the beginning because of our location primarily and secondly because of uh you know our genre and with the lyrics being christian it's very difficult to keep a full lineup together we've had drummers but you know we need a solid drummer to join our our ranks so that we can play shows more often and uh travel i think playing live music really gets you out there people want to see you play the more we can do that the better Thanks so much for coming on The Antidote, guys, and best of luck with Alpha and Omega. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us.